What's up, Drop Pod listeners? You can check out new episodes of the Drop Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find all of our content on YouTube at The Drop Golf Podcast and on our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at The Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, follow and listen along. This episode is brought to you by All County Exteriors. All County Exteriors is a third generation, premier exterior home remodeling company celebrating over 40 years in business in a remodeling world where the average remodeling company only survives in business for only five years all county exteriors has stood the test of time providing their customers with top quality roofing siding windows and doors they service homeowners and builders with anything from small repairs to large additions all county exteriors is not just limited to construction they have a deep passion for giving back to their community and are charitable supporters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Caring Society, Rooster Troops, and Parents of Autistic Children. If you have planned to do any exterior modeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no-obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors for all your remodeling needs. This is the Drop Podcast, where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Coulot. What's going on, Drop Pod people? How we doing? Uh, Mike and I got another big week this week. It's uh, November the 15th coming at you. We got some golf courses to talk about today. Uh, Mike and I have been, been fortunate enough. Weather's been nice here in November, so we got, we got a couple golf courses we're going to chat about. Uh, and then on the back end, we got Nick Bova is today's guest. Uh, Nick is the 2023 New Jersey PGA Player of the Year. Uh, he won that over Brent Palladino by winning the last tournament of the year for them, the, which they call the fall finale. Uh, if you remember, we had Nick on before, uh, and then Mike and I both picked Nick to win the New Jersey Open. He was leading going into the final day, but he ended up finishing second when Brent shot a final round 65. Uh, if you remember, we discussed that with, with Brent in his episode uh, or in his interview when we had him on on, on episode 44. Uh, so we have a, a nice little, nice little post-mortem with Nick about that day and, uh, and how it affected the rest of his season, really, and, and just had a great conversation. We got into that. We started talking about some lessons, some drills. It, it was a really, you know, how he's getting ready for next season already. It was really an awesome Awesome interview. He's such a great dude. Just, you know, just down to earth, and just like, like we had him on Zoom, and you know, he's dogs jumping on his lap, and he's you know playing with dog. Just, just a, just a regular guy. It was really awesome to to have him on. So, make sure you stick around for that and, and enjoy our interview with Nick. Now, real quick, before we get going here, for the audience members, today is November fifteenth. Yesterday was the big fella's birthday. So <laughs> I. I I think I have to bring up, you know, the big fella just turned. Say the number, buddy. Be loud. Be proud. <laughs> say it. Let's hear it. <laughs> I just turned 38. 38 for the big fella. So listen, it's a little happy belated birthday. So make sure you, you reach out to the guy on Instagram, on text messages, however you have it, because 
It was the big fella's birthday yesterday, and I'd be remiss if I did not bring that up. So happy belated birthday. Thank you, bud. I appreciate it. Anything exciting going on this weekend? <laughs> I know it's, you know it's only Wednesday, but we got anything big plans over the weekend? Are we doing anything? Are uh, we exploring the scene that's out there? Have you seen the movie The Hangover? I have. I, I know you're I not have. a movie guy. I, okay, well that... I have. I've seen that one. That is actually... That movie was produced as a prediction for what's going to happen this weekend. Four of us wolves running around the desert together in Las Vegas looking for strippers and cocaine. So if the podcast ends, everybody knows why. <laughs> uh... Yeah, no, nothing, no big plans yet. I had, I had dinner with my mom last weekend, um, just a, a nice, nice chill, chill weekend, but we'll see. We'll see what this weekend has, uh, has planned for me. But thank you. That was nice of you. I appreciate that. The deep down, I have a heart. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's talk, Mike. I want to start, start here. You have been talking about this course the entire time we've been doing this podcast. And I'm not talking about Manasquan River, I'm talking about Ballamore Golf Club. And you've been saying how I got to get down there, and it's just, it's an hour plus ride for me. I mean, even speeding, which I do have a little bit of a lead foot, it, you know, it still takes me an hour 15 to get down there, an hour 20. So uh, I made the trip. I went down, I played Ballamore. I met our guy, Eric. You were right, he's got great flow. The, the hair, hair, the hair, the hair the coming out legit. of the hat. It really was. The so legit. it was really not, you know, it was cool to kind of meet him and, and, uh, you know, pulled up and, and he was just super friendly, super great. Uh, you talk about like customer service or, or whatever you want to say. It was just like, he knew I was coming and he was ready for me. And it was just like, it was nice to put a name to a face and nice to, again, just, he was just super generous with, with everything. So, um, I got down there. My first impression was, I'm going to ask you a question. What was the, when was the club built? Do you know when the course was built? Do you know anything about it? Because that entrance, no, you have no like. I know no history of the place. No history of that. I know nothing. So I think, I think I'm going to do some dive in there because it was really cool. Like that entrance way looked very like country clubby or like wedding venue-y, something like that. Like that, the long driveway, the big big sign out front with like a, a gated entrance. Um, I didn't think I was going to a public track, which was, which was really interesting. And then, you know, check in, say hi to Eric. He's there, get my cart, um, hit the range for a second, put some balls, stretch a little bit on the putting green. Did you notice those like statues that they have there? Yep. Yep. I think it's just such a neat touch. Great touch. Just such a cool, again, you talked about like, like, it's not the same, but like that, no mulligans at Pine Valley, just like a cool little thing that's specific to their course. I, I don't know, I don't know why they're there, but it was just kind of a neat thing. Yeah, they got these like golfing gargoyles that are kind of around the putting green, which is just a really, really neat touch. And then uh, you would have absolutely loved my first shot. Hit my first shot. I played. I, I will. I want to say it. Say it now. I wasn't with you. And I know you like playing from the back tees, which is where I played from. We played that's all the way from the about. back. That's a, listen, that's a, that's a, it's a, bear. that's a test back there. That's a test back there. I mean, that is, 
from the back tees, I want to say it's over 7,000 yards. It is. And, it is. And, and when that wind blows a little bit, it easily could go well north of 7,000 yards. It was. And <laughs> that is, that's impressive because when I saw your Instagram story about the over under 88, I, w- I think I was the first vote on my account and I clicked over in a matter of seconds by the time I saw that thing come up because I said I would be stunned if you go over 88 because you've been such a mental case lately. I thought that was going to play more into it than what tee boxes you played. Yeah, the, the swing, as I told you, I feel like, my, I, feel like I need a break. My, my swing's kind of in shambles, and it's the end of the year, so I, you know maybe that's it. But that's, that's regardless of the point. But yeah, it was uh, played it all the way back. Um, so I thought of you right on the first hole. I have, obviously I have a fade and you know, that first hole has out of bounds, tight, right. And your favorite rule could have come into play. It's late fall. There's a ton of leaves on the ground. So naturally I fade it. It goes over this bunker that's out there and, and kind of lands right against uh, the cart path there. I did end up finding it. I didn't have to implement the leaf rule. But as I'm driving up, I go, there's no way I'm finding this ball. I can't see any grass. It's just leaves. So I end up finding it. I got to punch it out. I, I flub my way around the first hole, but, uh, but I, I take a double. I, I don't know what it is. The first six holes, I, I played some of the worst golf I've ever played in my life. <laughs> Uh, that's not to say I played great on the back, but like the ball striking was awful. The, there was just no confidence in doing anything, you know, like at least sometimes when you're striking the ball and you're like, all right, I I can't, at least I'm making good contact. The fade is now a slice and just let's work it. Right. Couldn't do that. It was, it was literally like, it was like Michael J. Fox trying to golf. It was, it was a rough one out there. How did you, how did you like, to, I mean, I think that third hole, and I know you're talking your first six, you struggled, but how sweet is that the third hole? The third hole, so you, you asked me when we were talking, because, you know, we don't want to record the same holes and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so I asked you what holes you recorded. We were talking a little bit back and forth, kind of, you know, showing, lifting up the curtain here a little bit. But as we were talking, I was looking for a hole on the front nine and on the back nine that I liked. And that third hole is really, really cool. Uh, go, you know, it's short, it's, it's not long, you don't need driver, which is why I took a three wood and duffed it maybe 20 feet in front of me, uh, only to take three wood again. And- You were laying up. <laughs> and then to go over the water, and, and again, you know how we talk about this, I love like the rock features and the wall features and that kind of stuff. And there are some really beautiful um, features to that. You know, there's the water going in, so it has, again, like whether it was rocks or railroad ties or whatever it was to keep to keep it up at different points throughout the course. It was it was beautiful. It really was. Um, I thought, uh, you looking back on the round, I thought it was a miniature 18. Like they doubled 18. Kind of the same thing over the water there with the right. It was like a... Yeah, minus one's a par five with the water all along the right-hand right, side. 18. This that, is a par... Yeah. A short par, par four. A par five. Yeah, no. And this I, one's a little... 
But I get you're saying the optics of they look the rock similar. around yeah. the greens. Yeah, yeah. I, listen, I every time I get to that golf course, the third hole is always something that stands out in my mind so mm-hmm. vividly. Um, but I, I do want to say this and the, because when you put out your score of over under 88, if you went sub 88 from the black tees, that's a hell of a round. Mm-hmm. And I think you should have prefaced that by saying, I'm going to tip this bad boy out because, dude, that is a stretch. So a stretch. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say a few things. First, I, I would have had I made the decision to play the tips after I put that out. So I would have said play in the tips. Uh, but I put that out when I was in the parking lot, you know, putting my shoes on and getting ready, that kind of thing. The second, the second thing is I went based on like my average scores for the year. So that's why I picked that number. Like, you know, it's kind of the average way when you look at, look at my, my handicap, that's why I went, uh, I went there. So um, I, I guess I could break, break news here. I went over. Uh, I ended up shooting 93. Uh, but like I said, I don't know if it's the long drive into like, like I, I maybe warmed up for, like I got out of my car and I teed off 10 minutes later. That includes getting the bag out of the car, putting the tees on. So it, it's got to be, obviously there's something to that. Um, but it took me a little while to get, get in the rhythm. And then I will, I will say this. There was also a bunch of shots that I... I took penalty drops for that I don't think were deserved. Pause. Let me finish. You know the time of day that I played, right? I'd say of the first 13 holes, 15 of them were into the sun. <laughs> so there were on, that I hit, uh, especially when I got to the back, um, <clears throat> there were three or four tee shots that I hit really well, felt I hit a good ball, felt it would have faded, but as soon as I, as soon as I hit it, I was blinded by the sun. Because now it's that late afternoon, like, like th- 3 o'clock-ish, and we know it's dark, so it's, it's literally right in the sun, and I lost it. And you accompany that with the leaves... And I'm not saying the leaf rule was in play because I think I was like, I hit that ball. It's not going to be in the fairway. It's just going to be off the rough. But I have no idea how far or anything like that. So I had to play a penalty drop. So I think had I been, A, playing with somebody else who could have kept a little better eye on it than I could have. Like I'm trying to keep my head down and then quickly pick it up, get blinded by the sun. Um, I don't think I take those penalty strokes. But I also didn't feel right by not taking the penalty strokes and telling you how I played because I didn't find my ball. So there's a few balls out there that are, that are lost, probably in great position. Someone behind me was like, how did someone not find this ball? Well, <clears throat> well, that's how. I, uh, I looked directly into the sun. You, you're looking for this ball? And that's, that's how, I, honestly. And, and I, not even like, it got to a point where I was frustrated not with my golf game or my swing or anything like that, I was frustrated with nature because I was like, how are every one of these fucking holes into the sun? I don't understand it because I kept losing the ball every time. So I, 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 uh, I'm not making excuses. Again, I took the penalty drops. It's not like I made the excuse and took, but took the strokes. But again, I took doubles on some holes that should have been bogeys or pars. 
Are you an anti-sunglasses guy? <clears throat> when I play golf, I am. Because I feel like it throws off my depth perception of where the ball is. So, yeah, I don't, I don't do sunglasses. But you know I do the hat, and, and I... I know. I know. I'm no hat, no sunglass guy. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't. And even then, with the hat, I still couldn't follow it. So uh, I feel confident if, if you were there or even if I was paired up with somebody um, that I would have uh, been able to find the ball or at least track it or have a, even an idea. But there, there's at least, again, there's at least three holes where I, I, didn't, I just didn't have a clue. Didn't have a clue where it went. Um, and, and there's two others that I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm in here, but uh, you know, I can't look for 25 minutes. That's so, a lot. That's a lot of strokes to take it, penalties on. It is. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I didn't play great. I'm not trying to say it, but, but I think 88 was a really good number, uh, yeah, based on those like penalty it. strokes. And again, maybe I lose yeah. again, if I'm saying three or four, maybe, maybe, maybe some of them get lost, but I'm telling you, I don't. I'd find at least one or two of those um, if I'm if I'm not playing alone. I think I really do. Yeah, I'm, I mean I I'm in the same boat. I I don't wear sunglasses, but I'm not a hat guy either, like you. I just like to showcase this beautiful face, so that's kind of why I just <laughs> let it out there. But um, I get what you're saying. I was actually Did wearing a mask any? out there, so <laughs> to cover up my face. <laughs> Did you make any birdies? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't make any birdies. I had a... What did you think of the back of nine? <clears throat> I had a birdie shot on... A birdie shot. I had a legitimate birdie shot on that long... Yeah, like a birdie putt. Yeah. But, but not like a 40-foot birdie putt. Like a legit... Um, on the long par five, the 600... Uh, the yeah, 620... Yeah. Um, it's a great hole. An unbelievable hole. Um, Great hole. And, and kind of goes up the hill on the third shot. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And I'll spoiler alert it for some people. It is my Ryan's verse for this week. So tomorrow, check out how I did to it. But um, That's a great <clears> hole. I guess. And then a par three that follows it, right? The par three was, was awesome as well. Hole. I will say this. Yeah. Mike, I did this. I forgot to tell you. <clears throat> I wanted to tell you on the podcast. I recorded every par three's tee shot. Because. In case I made a hole in one. In case I made a hole in one. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you're, you're not playing solo, with somebody, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you're riding solo, that's a, that's a tough thing. That's the last time you want to have a hole in one, maybe second two, if you dump one in the drink and then make it on a retake. So right. Those are two times that you're like, uh, where's the drop zone for the retake? <laughs> <laughs> or just give me an X here. I'm going yeah. to the next hole. Uh, the back was awesome. I, I was trying to think of what I liked better, the front or the back. And when I think about the course... I love the 18th hole. I thought the 18th hole is a spectacular golf hole. It's challenging. You can put a pin in that's in just a diabolical location, but it can also, like, like it's got risk-reward. It's got, it's got everything you want. I think it's a great golf hole. But when I think about the back nine or the front nine, when I think about the holes that are like, oh, I really like this hole or that hole, it's the front. I like the front better. Um, I don't know if that's the case for you, but um, yeah, I just, I just, I think a lot of them on the back seem to look the same or similar to me. Um, but that's not for, 
you know, that's not to say they yeah. were bad or anything like that. It's just yeah. I like the front nine better. Yeah, I think I do, you know, when you think about the back specifically, I do think 16, 17, 18 are three good finishing holes. You have a really long good. par four yeah. and 16. You got a short par four and 17. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then you got a kind of a risk-reward 18th hole where you can make a couple, you know, you can hit two good shots and get there in two. Like, those three holes to finish it up. Like, I don't know if I have, like, a favorite side, you know, in a sense. I just think the golf course is a very, very well-maintained it's got great people. Mm-hmm. It's always in very good shape. I mean, the greens are always rolling. I don't know how the greens were for you when you got out there, but I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's one of my favorites. It yeah. truly is. I, I totally understand why. The, the one thing I will say is I I want to go back there when it's a little more prime season. I think we're in November now. It's a little late. That that's not to say that like the greens were rough or anything. I don't want anyone to be mad at me for that. The greens were greens were terrific. Um, but I know you like your greens and, and I don't think you'd be, I don't think you would have loved these and how they were and how they were. Um, even just like the leaves down and just like, like having so many, um, acorns and stuff like that around. Like I, I, I would like to see it. Uh, I'd like to come down in the summertime and play it and play it like mint conditioned and, and that sort of thing, because, you know, I can only grade it as I see it, and I know how much you love it, and I don't think how much you love it was, was matches what I saw. And that's not, again, not to say it wasn't nice. It was, it's a must-play, go play it. Go, it's an, an hour-and-a-half course. Again, I have no problem traveling there. It was, it was really, really good. But how much you talk it up doesn't match what I think I got. So I'd like to see it again to kind of – to kind of get on that'll that. Be a, that'll have to be a spring day when we go play Scotland Run and then go hit a Balmore after that so you can see both them in, in prime conditions because I, I I do think those two down here in South Jersey are the cream of the crop. Yeah. You know, I, I know that, you know, you'll hear us talk a little bit about Cape May National in a second, but I, I still think that those two courses in the, quote, South Jersey area, which forces me, in a sense, to get my rear end up in Shannock Valley because I still, to this day, will get DMs and text messages saying, like, I agree with you. Those two are very good, but you got to go see NV and check it out. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's <clears throat> that on was, my to-do list. Again, in we're 2024. Only, yeah, we're only a year in, and, and, of course, we're looking for this stuff. So, yeah, I, I think we're coming down to the end of the season. We might have – I think we're done traveling. We might have some days where we get a super nice day that we're like, all right, let's, let's go play. We're itching. But I, I think – uh, I, I think I know you and I both talked off camera or off off air here that we're we're both kind of kind of done for a little bit, barring some kind of, you know, unforeseen yeah, I think this whatever. Is, yeah, I mean, this is the tough time of the year. You got you got holiday season right around the corner. You got Thanksgiving, you got followed by Christmas and New Year's. And it's, you know, no offense. I mean, I'm not bundling my rear end up to put on wool hat and freezing clothes, you know, warm clothes to get out there to swing a golf club half swing. Right. So it's hard. It's hard for me to even think about it. But if you, if I was able to get to nicer, warmer weather, which is my plan, I know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to get away for for a little bit over Christmas. But uh, but yeah, that would be the next time again. I'm in the same boat. I've played a lot of golf this summer, and I'm. I, I guess I'm just spoiled. I've played so much golf that I, I don't really have an interest in putting on a wool, a wool hat and a thick jacket. When I'm like, you know what, my game's not in a place where like I want to keep going anyway. So I got a few, few things going against me, but but yeah, for sure, we'll uh, we have some more to attack in year two.
So, all right, so then another opportunity we had, um, again, we'll talk about nice days. Mike and I were able to get together, actually, and uh, we went and played Cape May National down in, you guessed Irma. it. Irma. <laughs> down way, way south. Again, I, I'm, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure that that's uh, south of the Mason-Dixon line. And, uh, and we were able to get down there and, and play it and really had a, a, quite a treat. A lot of people have talked about Cape May being a, a nice little treat down, you know, way down south there where there's not a, not a huge, you know, there's not a ton of selection. That's a nice course and, and a must play. So, so Mike and I made the, made the trip down and, and got to play it. Let's chat about it. What do you think? Yeah. What are your initial uh, listen, thoughts? I'm, you know, we're talking all the way down in Irma, New Jersey. I mean, we're talking, all, I think, single digits on the parkway. Oh, I got off so at exit talking, four. <laughs> yep. So we're talking deep down in South Jersey. The one thing, before I even get into the golf course specifically, it only cost us $65 with a cart to play at 12.50 was our tee time. Yeah, I think that's got to go into consideration when you're looking at like courses you want to play. It is, was it the best public course that we've played this summer? No, it wasn't. And that's not, that's not a knock on it. We'll get to that in a second. But like when you look at how much it costs to play there, that's got to go to the equation of like the niceness of the course and the cost of the course. There's got to be a, a weight there for you. And 65 with a cart on a weekend afternoon, you're not beating that anywhere. No, I listen, and I, and I thought that specifically was like, okay, wow, for all the good things we've heard about that spot, for that type of price, I, we've, we've talked about it on numerous occasions, like $100 is the new minimum. Mm-hmm. And to go down there and experience this place, which I thought was – a really, really cool layout. I mean, we played the black tee markers there. I believe it was like 6,800 yards or 6,900 yards, par 71, 35 on the front, 36 on the back. And it had some really, really cool holes at this place. I mean, specifically, you know, when I think about the front nine, that third hole from the black tees, it's about a buck 80 over all water. All water. Such a cool All tee box. Carrots. You just kind of drive past it, and and it's just like a little tucked away there. And it's like this is this was amazing. It's like a little rectangle. Like, it's yeah. a little rectangle <laughs> with their two like mini rocks. I don't even know what their tee markers were are defined as, but like just these little black rocks. I'm not gonna say little, but they're you know they're just. They're just I, I wonder if they're supposed to be like uh, like jetty rocks. I don't know if Cape May is known for for their jetties or for their for having rocks, but to pick rocks seems like an odd. They were definitely rocks, and it seems like an odd choice to just randomly pick rocks. So I wonder if that's supposed to be like the jetty, like big jetty rocks. That's my. That would be my correlation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I, that hole to me was really cool. And and the one thing I thought about this public golf course specifically was. The greens were sneaky fast. Really I sneaky mean, fast, yeah. It was. You you look at them, and, and again, this time of the year, you know, a lot of the courses are are recovering from being aerated, so there's still some little bumps in, in 
and around the greens for whatnot. But I God, I was I was really taken aback. Like, wow, okay, we need to play defense a little bit here mm-hmm. um, because above the hole. And I think when you think about the ninth hole specifically, with that nice beautiful house right in the backdrop there. Yeah, <laughs> you, that that was like Arcola, like with forget about it. It got on the green and legitimately just didn't stop rolling I mean, down that hill. My chip, like you, you, you didn't. You said you were. I was going to tell you that it was fast. The second shot went over the green, so I chipped on, and I just got it rolling, and it rolled thirty-five feet, and it was basically a flop shot that I kind of hit up there. That it just kept going. It had this downhill and just kept rolling. And to the same point, your putt rolled fifteen feet past. I mean. You had a twenty foot putt and just blew it by. It was that was that was really appreciate, fast. Appreciate the appreciate the compliment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I listen. I don't mean I, to knock I, you down. <laughs> no, it's alright. I'm you, just proving the point kind of, to your you point. Of, you know, you played you played well there. That was you played you putted fine there. It was that putt was not a good putt. And to your point, it was because it was super super fast. You don't expect them to be that fast this time of year. At a municipal golf course, at a public track. Yeah, and I think I think one of the things that they kind of hold their hat on is like just the natural surroundings of the course itself. Like you know, I, I think you know from what, reading their their website at times, you know, going into it, like they had a lot of enver- environmentally sensitive private areas, areas. whatever they're yeah. called. They're yeah, like that, banked you know, off you were, there. You can kind of see. Yep. Yeah. And if you hit a ball in there, it's like you're not you're not going in there because of the way it's marked, and you're just kind of playing it as a you know lost ball more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I thought it was a really really fun track. Um, the back nine was 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 fun. Um, I thought there I thought were two the different nine nines. Was, I thought they they had kind of a distinct different feel. The, the front kind of felt like you were almost like one and two. It's like tree-lined. It's clearly very low land there. It's swampy on the right there. And then three, we hit over the swamp. Um, it it kind of clears up a little bit for – you're playing around the water. But, yeah, I guess like seven, eight um, – not, not as low. But it, it kind of felt more like marshy, swampy. Then you got to the back, and it didn't have that feel for as many of those holes. It felt more open. Yeah, you know like why? when I you got to like because I think I think a lot of that was where we ended up. Think about like how the front nine was on one side of the property. Yeah, and then we we took that little road past the driving range to the other side of the property. Yep, and like yeah, to your point, there was definitely more wooder on the back nine. Yeah, um, but more. Oh, but it had a more open feel to it. It felt like it was. It it, it had it not like a Manasquan where it was two distinctly different nines, but it had a different feel right. to me of like, this is a different. We're we're on a different side of the golf course, which was which was yeah. kind of nice to see. Yeah, kind of nice to feel. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree, and it, and the one thing I I do, and I know you and I have harped on this so many times, and it's not really the course's fault in that respect, but. There are times we would love to switch the par threes up a little bit because mm-hmm. you and I talked about this a lot. And being a par 71 golf course, they had five par threes out there. 
every single one was 185 yards to 220 with the one hole 220 being dead into the wind Mm -hmm. where we both hit three woods. Yeah. Like, that's a tough, tough par three. And I'm all for challenge. I am. But length doesn't always equal challenge. But the length of this course, like, because it was 68, the length was on the par threes. It wasn't like the par fours were super daunting. There was even that one where you were like, oh, maybe we should have taken driver. Like, we were a lot closer, like could have drove drove the green or at least had an attempt to, you know, the, the par threes are the were, were a lot of the length of the course, even though there weren't a ton of them, but it's not like the rest of the course was super long too. It was 6,800 with a a lot of long par threes. Yeah. I guess that's a valid point. I'm looking at the scorecard right now and it's 6,905 from the black tees, which we played, but the par fours are nothing really to stretch out about. Maybe the second hole is 469 from the blacks, and the 11th hole was 445 from the blacks. But right, I don't know, and maybe second, I'm wrong here. And that second hole, Mike, that was like we had seven irons in. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's not like I don't. I don't I'm not like I'm not pounding our chest. Like, look how far we hit it. But like, that didn't feel like it was a 470 hole. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you there. I, I it just seemed like those par threes, and, and I hate to knock a place because I liked it. I, I had fun at this place. It was somewhere new. I know people have spoken highly about it, but I did think all the par threes minus the third hole, which was all carry over water and kind of unique to its own way that the other four par four threes were identical like yeah. straight away 205 nothing to it no, yeah i would agree not not like there's no change in it and we we talked about this going all the way back to all the way back to stanton ridge like you need to have variations in it you need to you know hit a hit a nine iron hit a or you know hit a wedge Hit a six iron, hit a hit a hybrid. You know, you got to be able to vary those shots. But there was no variation here. They were all pretty much the same of just, yeah, that 200 to 220 yard shot. Depending yeah. on what the I mean, wind I'll was say doing, this. you had to change the club. I, I'll say this. If you ask me my favorite hole at the course in the front, it was clear as day number three. Like mm-hmm. legitimately wasn't close for me on the front. And then when I think about the back, it was the 17th hole of the par three. And I know I just sat here and knocked the golf course in terms of the par threes. Like, I get it. I, I'm not trying to do that. And then you're going to say, well, Mike, you're telling me now the two favorite holes of the place are two par threes. Like, yeah. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Right, 17 were, was cool. 17, 17 was cool. Was cool. You, it was all water on the left. It was like a big pond that kind of went through the fairway of, of what was that, 11 or 12? Still 190 yards, though. Still 100, it was 190 yards. And, and I'll tell you, we both, uh, you know, we, we found out that it was, wind is apparently swirling there. <clears throat> um, but nice, <laughs> nice like uh, like railroad tie work that kind of held up the green to kind of keep it a little more elevated. It was just, a, it was a pretty, aesthetically pretty hole. That doesn't necessarily mean we that we can... That we don't have to knock it because we just knocked it. Like that was a that was a great hole. That that really was. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I did. I mean, 
I guess when I step back and I think about it, three was still 199 par three. I liked it. It was just all carryover water kind but of nice, cool like it had optics. Cool optics, optics to the to the marsh that was there, yeah, like was the swamp that the had tea the box. The, the right the the super small tea box with the what are those big leaves that come out of swamps called? Like those were kind of all over. It was a nice. It was aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, and I it guess, and, nice. and I guess that's kind of what seventeen was to that side of of the nine as well. And then eighteen was a super, super good finishing hole. Really was. Water all, water all down the left. You're kind of don't coming out of it. a little bit of a shoot. Yeah. yeah don't you know? It? Yeah. <laughs> coming out a little bit of a shoot. Um, you can't miss two tiered green where the pin was was back right up on top of the slope, like mm-hmm. four forty six from those back tees. So like, you know, I thought that was a good a really cool finishing hole there and you know it was cool for us as we were finishing up because the sun was coming down um another perfect perfect day and and listen i know price matters to a lot of people in terms of playing golf but for 65 dollars on greens like that god i don't know if you're gonna find a cheaper spot yeah with a cart let's keep that in mind with a cart in any of the areas of no, the state of New Jersey. I, I really don't. And, you know, we talk about, um, like, how far you should go to travel there. I don't know if it's worth traveling from from Sparta, New Jersey, to go down there for, for a trip. I don't – I think there's places around you that you should go play. Um, but but this place is – if you're down the shore, like, if you, if you travel, you have a beach house, and even if you're not in Cape May, right, maybe you're in – uh, Ocean City or um, maybe Sea Isle City. Like, yeah, maybe you're and, – and you're tired of playing. I know you love it, but, like, I have a friend who goes down. He plays Ballamore every year because his family – the house that they rent is, like, 15 minutes from there. This is another another great spot where, okay, you got to drive a little bit, but it's you're not going to disappoint. Another one that was, like – Again, we, we played Shoregate earlier this year. This is just another one that's like another great public track right down the parkway there in that very deep south New Jersey area. Yeah, and I agree. I, I would agree 100% with you. I'm not telling someone to, to pack their bags and head south for this spot. But again, I think you're coming from Philly for the weekend and you're going to, to Margate. You're going to Summers Point. You're mm-hmm. going to one of those areas that you mentioned like for 65 bucks. With a golf cart. Right. Man, so, that right, is tough Even to Atlantic beat. City. Atlantic City's exit 38. So you're talking, yep. you're yeah. talking, it's it's 30 minutes away. A little yeah. more than that, 35 minutes away. I, I Nice it, practice facility too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice little practice range, driving range, a good little putting green. So it has everything there if you're looking to practice a little bit as well so mm-hmm. like if you're looking to get there an hour beforehand like you, you got a good spot right there again it's really close to being like a a, a really exceptional place it, it really is and even like you, you park there's no carts in the parking lot so you got to park you bring your bags in. you go through like that little portico there to kind of get there it's a nice little touch uh with some ivy kind of growing on it was kind of cool um i didn't go into the pro shop but um that you know the building doesn't look like it's doesn't look like it's the greatest building in the world but that that's okay you're there to play golf you know the facilities there the practice facilities were nice um and and I like the track the track was really a good track yeah and I think I think I think 
part of the reason why it may not be like the most well-maintained public spot is I think they kind of dive hard into like that natural, that environment, environmentally protected areas, that bird sanctuary. Like those are the things that I saw so many places that they may just say, listen, we're going to be organic. We're going to be authentic. And it may not, it may not have all the edged out fairways and rough the way other spots have it. And we're going to be a little more natural because I feel like that word natural was drilled everywhere around that golf course. You know what it was? That's a good point, Mike. Maybe they, maybe that's what they're going to lean into and, and maybe they don't get enough play that it's going to tear up the golf course. So yeah, you're, you're probably right. But, but I know I said that to you out there and again, not a knock on the conditions because the conditions were, were terrific. It just, it was, it was a, it was a really nice golf course. Yeah, listen, it's it's a good spot. You're in South Jersey, you know. You're you're 30 minutes away, and you're looking for you know a quality golf course at a phenomenal price. Go check it out, Cape May National, all the way down in Irma. (laughs) That's the town. Uh, Yeah, I know. It's on. It's on. It's on a part of the Parkway that just becomes Route Nine. It's exit four B. It's on the Parkway. Yeah, it's and I know a lot of us reference where you are on the parkway. Well, we went down to four B. Yeah, that's that's deep south. I felt like I was almost in in watching the Alabama game. Well, that's like that's like me when we hike north. Right. Except Which, I just end up in a mountain. <laughs> it, I'll tell you what, though, you get it at a time. I know the parkway can be miserable. But you get it on a time of day and, and year like we did. Easy I, ride. I, it really is. It's not a hard ride. It's parkway the whole way. It's not like you're dealing with lights. You're not dealing with traffic. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it, it's, it's smooth sailing once you get to the parkway. So, um, again, miserable on a Friday in the summer. There's no doubt about that. I wouldn't suggest, I wouldn't suggest a Friday afternoon round there unless you're already down there. But yeah, you, you can you can cook down the parkway there. It was it was smooth sailing for us, no doubt there. All right, so that's gonna wrap us up here, uh, talking about two two really really good courses. Um, Ballamore and Cape May National is really a really a treat in here in in you know early to mid November to to get out and get those opportunities. Thank you to our guys uh, getting us out there talking with us. Thank you to the people of the courses. Um, I got I got I did play. I, I don't think I mentioned this when we were talking about it, Mike. I did get partnered up by the time I caught up to two guys. Uh, on 16, 17, and 18 uh, at Ballamore, I do want to give a shout out to uh, to Guy and Austin. Thanks for uh, thanks for dealing with me. It was nice to nice to chat with you. Hopefully you're listening and following along. Um, but thank you to everyone out there. All right, guys. So before we send you to our interview with Nick Bova, uh, 2023 PGA Player of the Year, newest member there. Uh, we want to remind you to 
like, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, that really helps us. Again, follow along on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Uh, all that stuff really helps us. So make sure you're, you're hitting those like and subscribe buttons. Really appreciate it. Here's our interview with Nick Bova. Enjoy. All right, so today's guest I don't think needs any introduction. Um, we're beyond thrilled to get him back on after a huge summer. I don't know if you know, but I'm sure a lot of you have heard, he is the 2023 NJ PGA Player of the Year. Nick Bova. Nick, thank you so much for coming back on today's show. Uh, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Ryan, for having me. Um, you know, this is our, our second time chatting. I enjoyed the first time. It was great. So and I know we've been trying to get get this uh, get this going. So it's nice to finally be able to, to sit down and chat with you guys again. Yeah, for sure. And congrats on such a great year. It was awesome following you all year. You played such great golf and it was it was awesome to see. So congrats on a great season. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a great year. I played, I played great all year. Um, I mean, hell you guys, uh, you guys predicted I was going to win the state open. So I, you know, I was, you know, I had a little extra pressure on me this year for, for that event, you know, almost, almost pulled it out, but, uh, you know, otherwise it was a, it was a great year. Would you well, rather listen, have that? that yeah. I say now that you got it. Pressure or not? You know what? I mean, um, it's real quick before you get going. It's so funny that you bring that up because I was like, obviously, after what transpired that day, mm-hmm. you know, and throughout the whole thing, Ryan and I are like, dude, he's going to fucking win and we are going to be spot on. I remember you saying Hackensack was your favorite spot in New Jersey. I was like, no matter what, I was said to Ryan, like, I don't know who you're picking, but. I'm going first. I'm saying Bova. He's going to get it done. He's like, get the hell out of here. So was I. And then to watch you throughout the week and then to have it end like that, I'm sure it's not something that you want to think about. But I know from an audience perspective, like I don't think anybody truly understands what it's like to play under pressure. Like we all have those three footers in our money groups that we play with or and it gets picked up and no one puts them out or, you know, they have a tee shot. And it's like, all right, listen, I'm just going to hit another one for free. No big deal. Take the mulligan. Yeah. What was it like that final round in that tournament specifically? You know, you know it was like, like we had talked about last time, you know, uh, Hackensack is like visually to my eye. It sets up so perfectly for me. Um and, you know, it's, it's, it's almost kind of ironic. So the vast majority, I mean, I, I think, I think every single tee shot is a cut is a fade, which is like what I like to hit except 18, 18 is the sharp dog leg left. So for the week, you know, I, 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 I parred 18, the first round, I made double in the second round and I bogeyed it the third round, you know? So it just, it was a, it was a hole that just didn't sub to my eye. You know, it'd be a lot different if it was on the fourth hole, you know, but it was the 18th hole. Um, you know, I hit, I hit a lot of good shots, you know, the, the pressure aspect of it. Like I, I had an idea cause I played in the final round or I played in the final group in the final round. So I knew that, you know, I was playing against, you know, I was playing with Troy Venucci and 
Uh, Troy didn't really have his best stuff that last day. I think he made 17 pars and a bogey. <clears throat> so, you know, I – and then, you know, getting into like the last three or four holes, you know, I was kind of paying attention. I'm not a scoreboard watcher, so I didn't actually look at the scores until after I hit my tee shot on 18. Um, but I knew that I – was somewhere either leading or around the lead, um, you know, with four or five holes to go, because, you know, as soon as you see the, the, the social media uh, people for the state golf association, when they're following you and they're taking video of you to post on Instagram and shit like that, like, you know, that you're around the lead, if not already leading. If you weren't, so, nobody would be there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I was paying attention to the groups in, in front of me because we had, we had a couple, uh, what was his name? Tom. I can't think of Tom's last name, but he's a, he's a kid from, he's an actual member at Hackensack. He. Yeah. Tom O'Neill. Tom O'Neill. Thank you. So Tom was in the group ahead of me. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't hear a bunch of like hooting and hollering from the group ahead. Uh, and then the group ahead of that and then the group ahead of that, I could kind of sense, you know, so I had like a, I hit, I didn't hit a great tee shot or a, yeah, a great tee shot on 17, the par three. I hit it in the right green side bunker, short side myself, hit a pretty good bunker shot to like 12 feet. And I made that, I, I made the 12 footer and I gave the biggest fist pump. And I thought, you know, I thought it was, it was to maintain a, two to three shot lead because I had a three shot lead over um, Troy at that point. Um, and a bunch of the, a bunch of the other Hamilton farm crew that had played in the event, they had came, they had come out and watched. So like Costanza was out there and Pat Wilson and uh, a, bu a bunch of other guys from, from the farm kind of watching the last hole. And I made that putt on 17 and they were, you know, they were screaming, let's go, let's go. You know, so I kind of had an, I kind of thought that I had a, you know, a couple shot lead and we get up to 18. I was so confident because even though it's a, it's a draw hole uh, in the second round, I absolutely like the only draw I hit all year, I absolutely murdered one in the second round. And I had like, you know, 85 yards and I, you know, I kind of puttered around from there, but I felt good on that tee shot. So I literally, I like walk off the 17th green, beeline it to 18, grab the driver out, don't even think about it. And then I overcook one. It just clips a branch like 150 yards off the tee. So, um, so then I look at the, you know, my thing is I always, I'm always going to look, if I'm not paying attention to the leaderboard, I will look one time and it's after I hit my tee shot on 18. So, I hit that tee shot, catches the tree. I'm like, all right, let's, you know, I probably just have to play smart here. And, and, you know, we got to, hopefully we have a couple shots. And um, I looked at my caddy and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to grab my phone to check. He said, you just got to make par. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, Brent shot 65. I was like, that motherfucker. <laughs> so, you know, so I'm like, uh, you know, so I actually saw because Brent played with Costanza, and they were on, um, they were on 18T finishing the round when I was on 10. So he was essentially nine holes ahead of me. You know, so uh, like I said, I, I didn't check until that 18th tee box. You know, so I was playing, 
I essentially played that entire back nine tied for the lead and didn't even really realize it. Um, and, you know, you always look back at it. It's like, you know, you bogey 18, that sucks. But, you know, I, I think I, I think I only had one other bogey in the final round um, other than that one. You know, I hit a lot of good shots. I made a lot of good putts. It's just, you know, in, in terms of, like, shots under pressure where I hit them as good as I could. I mean, like, tee shot on eight. I absolutely murdered it right down the middle. And then I hit a three-wood on the green to, like, you know, 20 feet and two-putt for birdie. Nine, the wind was blowing hard left. And it's a little cut tee shot, and I hit it absolutely perfect. Um, and it's, like, the first time I really ever felt like I was swinging so freely and I could swing it as hard as I wanted and the ball would come off perfectly. You know, so, I, like, I birdied eight, I birdied nine, I birdied ten. You know, it was just one of those – one of those weeks where kind of everything fell right. And, you know, just at the end, it ended up not coming, coming out the way I wanted, but at the end of the day, I mean, I still played great. You know, it just, it sucks that that bogey came on the last hole. Yeah. Do you take any solace in that, Nick? Like you, you played really well. You just said that you, you felt like you were swinging free and all that. And of course we all nitpick, right? It doesn't matter what level golfer you are. But in the competition of things, does it make you feel any better knowing, like, hey, I, I, I had a great week. I gave it my all. Of course, I can yeah. nitpick, but he went out and played. Like, like you got beat. Yeah, well, it's – and it's one of those things, like, I – so the clam bake, the, we, the, the, the previous tournament prior to the State Open was the, the clam bake. And I had a seven-shot lead with 12 to go and played the last 12 holes like a fucking moron. And uh, Brent ended up catching me and passing me and ended up beating me, right? So, like, that one really stung. Mm -hmm. And so this one, um, you know, Brent shot 65 in the last round, but he also shot 66 in the second round. So the dude shot 1,300 the last two rounds of the tournament. Like, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? That's so, some golf. Um, yeah, that's some golf. So, um, or no, I'm sorry. He shot 67, 65. So 1,200. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, so, you know, yeah, it stings, but it's, yeah, there's some solace in knowing that I had a chance. And, you know, everybody that asked me afterwards, they're like, you know, it kind of sucks. You know, you've had a chance to win two big events, didn't come through. I'm like, yeah, you know, but it's, I really looked at it like I was playing good. I was playing good enough. I was hitting it good enough. I was putting good enough that if I gave myself enough opportunities, I could win something and ended up finishing off the fall finale. So, This is the last question I have about that event because I, I don't want to harp on the negative because I think there's too much good. But I think, I think it's a lot of stuff that – I know, like Ryan said, like we all can also second guess ourselves in terms of we have a set, you know, process of what we follow and what we do. Walking off seventeen after you make that huge par putt, right? Like I can't lie, I'm one of those guys that was sitting at home refreshing the damn screen constantly, waiting for the four <laughs> to get posted because I had my whole thing ready to go to blast it out. And I, I was texting people that I knew were there trying to figure out, do you look back and say maybe I should have looked at this at the scoreboard to maybe slow my thinking down, my process down, even though my normal thing is to always wait to after the 18 tee shot? Or 
do you just chalk it up as like, listen, I hit a bad one and it is kind of what it is? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I, um, I was aggressive from say that 17th green to the 18th tee because of what I had seen in front of me or what I had kind of observed throughout the last four or five holes in front of me. Like there wasn't a lot of big cheering. I didn't see guys fist pumping. I didn't see any of that stuff. So I figured, you know, I kind of internally thought, okay, that, that putt, like I said before was to, you know, to maintain a two to three shot lead going into the last hole. So I just got up there and, and didn't think about it. And I just, I just grabbed it and tried to make an aggressive swing and, just didn't really make a great swing on, in that situation. And that, that, that happens sometimes, but in terms of looking at the leaderboard, um, you know, I did change my strategy a little bit at the fall finale. So um, I knew fall finale, I was close to lead because Ethan, the, the uh, social media guy for New Jersey PGA started to show up on like 13. So he followed me on 13, 14 and 15. So you know, and I had, I had missed, you know, I missed like a 20 footer on 13. I missed maybe a, I got up and down out of the bunker on 14. I missed maybe a 12 footer on 15 for birdie. So I knew I was, I was around it. So I looked, um, I looked on 16 T and saw that I was, uh, tied with Frank. And so, uh, 16 at Echo Lake is a, is kind of a shortish dog leg left par four. I hit seven wood off the tee and absolutely obliterated this thing. And I had like 85 yards and I hit a pretty poor wedge shot to probably like 40 feet. I mean, the pin was tucked left and there's a bunker left and you can't really, if you hit it left, you're not getting it up and down. Um, so I was probably a little bit more conservative and then just didn't really make a good swing. Um, but then I made the 40 footer. I was gonna say, I think I that was the putt I saw on social yeah. media. That yeah. was a bomb. Yeah. So then I, I made that I made that forty footer, which was awesome. And uh, you know, then on on seventeen, I had probably sixty feet. So on seventeen, the pin was back right, and I was kind of between clubs. And in the morning, I hit a in the morning I hit a, a nine iron. It was like 162 yards. I think it plays a little downhill and there was no wind. So, I mean, I was juiced up. So I just ripped the nine iron in the morning and I hit it to probably 10 feet. And then the afternoon there was a little bit of breeze into us. Um, I tried to hit the same club cause I was probably a little bit more juiced up, uh, in the, in the final round. Uh, but I caught it just a hair heavy. So it got, it kind of landed on a front on a slope and then kind of, kind of peeled off the slope and I had like 60 feet. I actually, I almost made that one too. I lipped that one out. <laughs> so, you know, I was feeling pretty good with the putter coming in and, you know, I got, I got lucky that Frank didn't make a birdie coming in. Well, he made, he made one birdie on, uh, I think he birdied 13. Um, but, you know, I got lucky that he didn't make one on, you know, 14 through 18 and then was able to clip him in the playoffs. So. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think that's, you know, that obviously turns the page for me in terms of like talking about the open, because I, I did want to ask you those questions because I know people were asking me, like, I kind of like what your thought process was throughout there, you know, but mm -hmm. then obviously as the season continues, you know, winning the fall finale, I think is, is, 
you know, a huge feather in the cap, nonetheless taking down, you know, Frank up there as well. So, and then I think the, the one icing on the cake for the whole thing was for the two times that, that Brent may have clipped you in those two events, being able to get out of front of him, not by many points, nonetheless, either to win the New Jersey, you know, player of the year, like, how special is, of an accolade is something like that? Is that like a preseason goal for years when you're looking at things? Because, you know, I know like a lot of people, you care about your passion and you care about, you know, being the best golfer you can be. So like when you see your name number one there, um, what's that mean? You know, it's it was it was my main objective. My main goal this year was to to earn player of the year. Um, in 2020, I finished third in player of the year. I'm, I'm sorry. In 2021, I finished third in player of the year last year. I finished second. So, you know, I'm looking at kind of what my goals are going to be for the year. And I said, well, the natural progression is to be player of the year. So let's, let's go get <laughs> it, you know? So, <clears throat> so then, uh, Brent, Brent won the match play. Then he won the clam bake. Then he won the state open. And after he won the clam bake, you know, I was basically like, you know what? I, I don't have a chance. You know, I was, I was pretty bummed after the clam bake in all seriousness. I mean, I was, I was frustrated because I thought I didn't have a chance, you know, and um, because in 20, uh, in 2022, Grant Sturgeon won the match play and the clam bake and, he did. I mean, he was so far out in front of us points wise, nobody had a chance to catch him. So, um, you know, it was nice at the events that Brent won, I finished second. So I was at least close enough. And I knew going into the, I knew going into the fall finale, I kind of used that as motivation. I said, you know, I, I ran the math on the points and I said, you know, I knew that I had to win. If I wanted to win player of the year, I had to win the fall finale. And then I needed a little help um from brent and you know based on the math i figured he needed to finish like eighth place or worse for me to have a chance if i won and so we get into the uh frank is finishing up and they were doing live points for player of the year so they had divvied out the first place points to frank and divvied out the second place points to me so i was a couple hundred points behind Brent at that point but then I realized I'm looking at it and I'm like okay well if if we flip-flop that and they I get first place points and then Frank gets second place points I did the math I was like I'm gonna clip him by 42 points and you're doing that so on the course is, no I was I did this actually as I was taking a leak before we went out for the playoff <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm like I'm like so I was I I, I was running in. I was running in just because I had to go to the bathroom, and I'm like, I'm like, let me think about this. So I went through and I kind of did the math real quick, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, I can actually still win Player of the Year if I go out and win this thing. So you know, not only are you trying to win a tournament, uh, which is which is big and, and hard enough in its own right, you know, knowing that I had to go out there and beat Frank in the playoff to not only win the fall finale but also clip player of the year by literally I mean the way you look at it if if Brent so there was four guys that finished tied for fifth if Brent if there was 
two guys, if Brent plus one other guy finished tied for fifth, I think he would have clipped me by like 10 points. So even if I won. So it was, I mean, it was very, very close um, coming down to it. And, and really it kind of, the entire season came down to literally one putt, you know? So, you know, if Brent makes one more birdie in the last couple of holes or I make one more bogey or whatever it is, you know, it, it's, it's a completely different story, but um, you know, the chips fell in my favor this year. Um, you know, and I'm sure they'll fall in somebody else's favor next year, but um, you know, it's, it's a pretty, it's definitely the biggest accomplishment that I've had playing, um, you know, earning that, that honor, you know, because it's, I mean, when you look at back, when you look back at the players of the year, I mean, you have the, you have Frank Esposito, you have uh, Mike Burke, you have Ed Whitman, you have um, Brian Gaffney, you have Tyler Hall, you have Grant Sturge. I mean, you have all these guys that are, uh, you know, Brett, jo uh, Brett Jones, you know, all these guys that are New Jersey PGA Hall of Famers that are, you know, say legends in our, in our section, like to have my name on a list with them uh, is, is pretty freaking cool. So. Yeah, that's like, like we said, you had such an incredible year and, and that's, I didn't realize how close it was at the end there that really everything you do like that, that's razor sharp thin. If you, if you didn't par a hole or like any of the birdies, like that 40 foot putt, if you didn't make that putt, maybe you drop one more spot, lose the, like a few more points. And it's not like, it's amazing how, how well, razor thin it is for an entire season. So, so in the, the second round, I started on 10. I par 10, I birdie 11, I par 12. And then I hole out from 127 yards for Eagle on 13. That was literally the difference. <laughs> That's crazy. So, That's so wild. So in, so now again, like even more, you know, how everything plays out in the second round on that 13th hole, I make a two. Brent makes a seven. Wow. So that's a big you know, swing. The entire tournament was won on that hole, but by, by that one shot, and it's you know I hit a good shot, but it's pure luck that it goes in the hole. You know, um, you get the right bounce. It didn't have had the right amount of spin. All that other stuff, and it just it fell in. You know, so it's like, it's just, it's crazy how you know, how it comes down to one shot and kind of how the golf gods chose me that day. And, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's surreal. I'm grateful because it's, it was a, it was a, a big goal of mine and, and something that I really wanted, um, you know, and, and I was able to make it happen. So. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's also though, it's like a, it's like a sign of resiliency. It's like, you know what, there's always speed bumps in people's way of where they want to go. And, you know, listen, for you at those events, the clam bake and then the state open, you could have given up. You could have said, F this, I'm done. This is not happening. You know, but you kind of, sounds like you looked in the mirror and said, like, put your big boy pants on and let's go figure out a way to get this done. And, and you did that. And I think that's admirable. And I think that's something that just like anything in a round of golf, you could take it that simple and say, listen, I may have double bogeyed the first hole, but my round is not over. 
And that's kind of the way it looks like you approached, you know, this, this goal of yours to, to find a way to accomplish it. Yeah. You know, it was very much, uh, it was very much. So I, I, I started working with, uh, I started working with a sports psychologist actually after the clam bake. Cause it was, it was the yeah, first. I need one of them. I need one of them. No one, no one, no one is, so no one is more fucked up. Number. No one is more <laughs> fucked up guy. than me. My, Nobody's my more guy. fucked up than me. My guy is the man, but, uh, but you if he know, wants a project, if he wants a project, <laughs> holy hell. But so, you know, I, I reached out to him originally just to work with one of my, one of my juniors and, um, we got to talking and I was like, listen, you know, there actually just happened to be this scenario, you know, that happened a couple of days ago and we went through it and we started talking about it and then he started to help me and, you know, he, he kind of helped me realize that, you know, it's okay to go into that situation and be frustrated or to be angry or to be nervous or to be upset or to be happy or excited. Like, you know, you have to lean into those feelings if you ever want to be able to get past them. You know, you can't just sit there. His big thing was you can't just sit there and say, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Just hope for the best. Like that shit doesn't work. Like as human beings, that's not how our brain can process. So he's like, listen, man, he says, I know it sucks right now, but if you can, if you can lean into whatever those feelings are, whether it's good, bad, or anything in between, He's like, you're then going to start to understand how to deal with that in the moment when it happens, when you're actually playing. Right. And that's kind of the way that I, that's kind of the way I took it in the state open and then in the med open, which I didn't play well in, but that that's okay. Uh, The section championships, uh, section championship, especially because going into that event, you know, I finished tied for third in the section championship going into that event, I was the defending champion, um, in our biggest event. And, you know, I just had this feeling like the, like the bubble was going to burst and I wasn't going to play very well. I just had this feeling and I'm talking to, I'm talking to Mike before the, the event. And he's like, you know, listen, you just got to go, like, you have to be okay with, with, you know, feeling like it's not going to be good, you know? And so I went into the week, like, you know, I felt good about where my game was, but I also felt like mentally, like there was just something that was going to happen to where it just didn't happen. Um, and, you know, I leaned into that stuff and became okay with it and then figured out a way to, to hit the golf shots when I needed to, you know? And, you know, I, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing that changed for me this year over other years is I just, you know, I, I didn't let, I didn't let stuff bother me in the same way that it has in the past. So I accepted everything, um, moved on and whether it was acceptance of being frustrated or angry or upset or happy, excited, jubilation, whatever it was, right. It just, I, I figured out a way to, to be okay with it. And then, you know, when, once I became okay with it, I was able to hit, to, to focus and, and hit good shots and, and see good results. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's, it's spot on. And I think it's great advice just for the average person to hear things like that is like, we all have emotions, we all have feelings. And if you try to suppress them, only bad things are going to come about from it. But like oh, now yeah. as, 
Yeah, and and I think and I think that's important because I, I I do I I see that a lot just in in everyday high school kids. But mm-hmm. I think when you look ahead now, you know, obviously to me, like I look at all your results and I see you know top three here, top two there, you know, runner up this, winner of that. Like, obviously, what are your thoughts moving into twenty twenty four? And I know maybe it's way too early, and you're even having a thought to to sit down about it, but. Coming off such a huge year, you know, like anything, like expectations go up, you know, the thought that your name should be constantly, you know, at the top, if not number one, like, what are your thoughts leading into to 2024? Are there areas that you see that you need to really like kind of fix? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I think from a hundred, to 125 yards, I'm, I'm mediocre at best. Um, just, I'm just not, whether I'm too conservative with the lines that I pick, or I just don't hit the shot, whatever it is, I'm just not as good there as I need to be. So that's going to be one of my main focuses this, this winter and then into next spring, you know, but you know, my, my main goals for next year, I mean, my, my number one goal is to repeat as player of the year, you know, I've, I've done it once now, so it'd be pretty cool to do it twice. Um, you know, another another goal is to win an event, um, you know, win one of our four major events. Um, you know, with that said, I've, I've won the Clambake before, I've won the section championship, and I've now won the fall finale twice. So the first event of the year is the match play, um, which would be pretty cool to win that. You win know, the I'll Grand Slam. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be the I'll be the number one seed because uh, I was I was first and player of the year. So I'll be the number one seed next year. So uh, the tournaments at Arcola, which I, I like Arcola, I think that game, that place suits well, suits me well. So, you know, hopefully, you know, I can knock off one of those, those wins early on. And, you know, looking at the, you know, I look at the, um, the schedule of, of events and, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's hard to sit there and say, okay, I want to go out and I want to win this event or I want to win that event. Like that puts a lot of pressure on yourself, but um, where the events are next year are all at places where I've played well in the past, you know? So not necessarily that I'm looking to like, I'm going in, like I'm going to win these things. It's just more like a, I'm going in and I'm confident that if I play the way I know I can, I should have a chance. You know, and if I if I can do that, if I can play the way I know I can and, um, you know, stay in the right frame of mind, like I've got a pretty good chance. I mean, you know, I could win none of them. I could win all four of them. You know, it could be it's, you know, if I get lucky and the breaks fall in my favor, you know, I might win one or or more if they if they don't. That's OK, too. Um just so long as I put in that that effort in the right way, I think that's that's what's important. We talked about that with uh, with Chris Dijon a couple weeks ago. That that like Brooks Kepka kind of thinking, where you go into a tournament and you're like, I know I can play well here. I know I got. You look at the field and like, okay, there might be a field of sixty four, but I know I can beat forty five of them. So now only competing against these guys. And it, it kind of sounds like that's the thought process you have there. Like, I play well there. I know I like the course. 
I feel good about where my game is. If I can just do the things I need to do and catch a few breaks, which we all know you have to do, it, it sounds like that's the, that's the mindset. And, and that, to me, is a winning mindset. You're, you're going in into, into battle, let's say, against people who don't have uh, that positive of a mindset. You've already beaten them. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think, you know, I was always, my dad always told me, and I, I, he didn't come up with this, obviously, but, you know, luck happens when preparation meets opportunity, you know, so yeah. I, I spent, I carved out more time purposefully to practice this year uh, than I had in years past, because I had this goal of, you know, I'd always had this goal of being a player of the year, but this year after playing good last year and winning the section championship last year and, and kind of rolling into this year, I felt like I, you know, I was starting to have the stuff that I needed to, to accomplish that. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just staying, like I said, it's staying within myself, staying positive with what we're doing and, and, you know, really acceptance, accepting what you can control and what you can't. Right. And didn't I see correctly that Manasquan River's back on the schedule too? Uh, for next year, not for next year. Not for next not, year. Not for one. Not for any of our big ones. Um, not not that I know of. The match plays are Cola. Clan Bake is back at Hollywood. Uh, section championship is Echo Lake. Fall finale is at Spring Lake. And maybe then, I think maybe they're hosting. They might be hosting the head pro championship. I think that's what it is, actually. Yeah, which yeah. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not able to play in that one. Got but, oh, um, I forgot about that. I forgot. And then the yeah. the state open state open next year is at Plainfield, and the Met Open is at it's in Westchester somewhere, Weburn. So, gotcha. yeah. So it's it's a good it's a good. I've never played Weburn, but. The other sites, you know, I, I like, I've played well at, they set up well for me. So, you know, I'm excited going into next year, just with the way that I played this year, with what I feel like I can do in terms of um, preparation and, you know, and then the golf courses, I think, you know, there's, you know, they say there's horses for courses, right? So, you know, I've, I've always played well at Echo Lake. I've always played well at, um, at Spring Lake. I've played well at Hollywood, you know, so, and all those golf courses kind of set up to my eyes. So, you know, hopefully I'm not jinxing myself (laughs) right now, you know, but. um, Good things happen when you think good things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like I said, you know, it's my prepper. I actually prepared for stuff this year better than I had before. And I'm going to even adjust that a little bit next year um, to give myself an opportunity to do some more stuff. So, and, and to try to keep my game a little bit more sharp. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully it leads to good results again. So that's what I was, I was going to ask, like, what is your now with all this success, you, you kind of tailored this year to practice more feeling good about where your game is looking to go to the next step. And, and we just talked about all that. What does this winter look like for you? And how do you, how do you continue to grow your game, yourself, all that kind of stuff going into next year and that kind of preparation that you have to have? So that's a good question. So Hopefully taking some time of... off. Hopefully enjoying some time right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of in the – We got a Disney trip coming up yet? 
No, no, that was last year. <laughs> that was last year. Um, we, uh, you know, so I'm kind of at the tail end of my, uh, my off time. So I'm going to start to try to ramp it back up again and start hitting some balls, doing some stuff again here soon. Um, but, you know, with, with those player of the year goals and winning an event, you know, another goal is to finish top 20 in the, in the national club pro and get into the PJ championship. So, uh, this winter I'm going to change kind of my preparation. I'm going to go down to Florida for a week in December and play two events. I'm going to play, um, a pro member in January at Naples national, which is a really tough venue. Um, I'm going to go down and play in the senior junior, the, I, I think with, uh, Brian Gaffney. So that'll be fun. That's a, uh, a nice event there to kind of get the juices flowing again. Then I'll go down for the, he's one of our guys. Stroke. He is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't um, know what I did, but we played nine holes and I had nine putts in front of him. It's best I've ever putted. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. I mean, that guy can put the lights out he, of him. He can get up and down from anywhere. It's, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Absurd. So, uh, uh, and then, I'll, you know, I'm going to go down for the stroke play. So, and then we have we have the the Spring Pro Pro kind of the week before. Actually, this year it's two weeks before we leave for the, the Club Pro. So, um, and then I, I might. Uh, if my girlfriend will let me get out of here, um, I might try to sneak down to, I might try to sneak down to Texas, to Frisco, uh, to play a couple of practice rounds at the golf courses that we're going to play for the event. So I'm putting more of an effort, uh, to, to go spend time, you know, working on this stuff, you know, cause in the past I've worked on it pretty hard over the winter time, you know, to make whatever changes I wanted, but I never, I never took the time to go play and all this stuff to try to make sure the rest of the game stays sharp. So that's what I'm going to, that's where I'm kind of focusing uh, the winter stuff. And then, you know, hopefully that translates to a good spring and then some, some nice early success and, and getting into some big events. I, I like that. I like that thinking it, you, you put in all that work this summer to make the changes. Like you said, you practiced a lot and now kind of keep it rolling. Like, Let's play in some stuff. Let's get more. Not that you need more tournament time, yeah. but like, yeah, let's let's keep it rolling. Let's keep playing, and let's. I like what we got. Let's keep going with it. Yeah, and you know, for for me, I've always I always kind of I try to find a nice balance when I'm prepping for events between playing and actually practicing. So, you know, in in our golf season, you know, like we have one big event the national club pros in April. So we have one big event in April, two in May, none in June, one in July, one in August, one in September, one in October. So if I can look at my winter and say, okay, I'm going to play in two events in December, one in January, one in February, one in March, that leads me into April. So I'm essentially keeping the same, I'm essentially keeping the same, like I'm playing one event every month. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, I can, I'll go down to Florida a couple of days before the event start. I'll practice. I'll get acclimated with the, you know, the, the turf down there and the, you know, putting on those greens and that type of stuff. So, you know, when I get down there, I'm not going to hit a shit ton of balls. I'll do a lot of chipping, a lot of pitching, a lot of putting, a lot of bunker stuff just to kind of regain the feel. And then, you know, hopefully we can, we can go from there, but 
um, you know, that was a big, that was a big difference in kind of how I prepped this year. Um, I did, a, I did a lot more putting stuff. I did a lot more short game stuff. Um, you know, I, I putted better this year than I have, than I probably ever have. So, um, so I'll continue to work on that stuff with my, my putting guy and, you know, see if we can't keep things rolling in the, in the positive direction. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. But, but I mean, you have the perfect, and, and to speak a little bit about Hamilton Farm too, I mean, you have the perfect facility there. And I know that when we talked to you, you know, last winter about, you know, things that were ahead, you know, when I got to go out there and play that place in, in May, you know, I, I couldn't help but to rant and rave about obviously all you guys that were there between you and Drew that were just like open and accommodating to anything that we needed. But like the range was like seeing you there, that range was like stupid nice. Yeah. The the whole clubhouse looks like a mansion, looks like a castle out there. Yeah. And then the golf course itself is so damn pure. I mean, like, you have everything you need. If you got a few good winter days to get out there and, like, legitimately grind, like, you've got an ideal spot there. Yeah, and, you know, the, 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 secret, the, the secret is the fact that we have the par three. You know, I'll, um, you know, the, the Highlands course, the big course is so busy now just because, you know, golf is so crazy right now that, it's hard to sneak out there and find an open spot to play two or three holes or four holes at, you know, on a day. So I'll go over and I'll, you know, if I have a little break or I've scheduled some practice time, you know, I'll hit some balls to warm up on the range. I'll hit, I'll do some simulation, hitting some tee shots. So I'll hit some drivers, but then I just go over to the par three and, you know, I'll play, I'll hit the tee shot, wherever the tee shot goes, I'll put that in, but then, uh, you know, to keep the score that I made on that hole, you know, I have to, I, I'm going to go choose a spot and I got to get one up and down, you know? So like, if I, if I make a three, if I, if I make a three on the hole, I'm going to toss a ball off the green. I got to hit the chip, make the putt. And then that means I've retained the three. If I don't get it up and down, then I make a four, you know, if I, if I make a two, I, I do the same thing. It's a three. If I make a four, it's the same thing. It goes to a five. So um, it's a way to to kind of add some pressure into your practice and and you know get you get you really dialing in those short shots, those chips and pitches, and then you know I, I'm throwing you know some of the shots, some of the chips are easy, some of them are hard, some are kind of medium in terms of difficulty. So you know, there's, uh, there's a little bit of everything. So, you know, you're hitting, hopefully you're hitting some chips really close to tap in range, but you're also working on, you know, four five, six, seven, eight footers as well. To, and you're kind of working on grinding and you're staying in that mindset of, you know, you're in that competitive mode because you're pushing yourself and you want to, you want to beat what, whatever you can, whatever you can internally beat. So, so that's, that's big. And having that pressure on you too, like not just not just being able to put chips together and like work on your chipping, but now, like you said, you got a four, five, six footer that means something. Like now, there's a little bit of added pressure, and we can never put tournament pressure on because only tournaments do that. But any kind of added pressure yeah. you can add to to make it a little bit harder, and you're doing that for sure. 
Yeah, listen, you know, anytime I tell all my students this and the, the good ones actually do it, but, you know, your practice is meant to make you uncomfortable. Like practice in every other sport is meant to, at least from what I understand, is meant to like help you have a confidence in what it is that you're doing, right? Well, golf practice doesn't work that way, right? Because, you know, you can, you can build confidence in basketball shooting on, you know, wide open threes all the time, like Steph Curry does and making them and free throws and all that other stuff. But, you know, in golf, you can't just sit there on the range and hit seven iron after seven iron after seven iron after seven iron because that's not how you play the game. You know, you're not you're not hitting five seven irons in a row when you're on the golf course, hopefully. Right? Hopefully you're not hitting four out of bounds <laughs> or, four, or, you know, four in the water or some shit like that. You know, so um, taking it out to the to the par three course and doing stuff like that, it it stresses like it stresses you out like a good golf practice should stress you the hell out like you should be mentally and the thing with that is it doesn't have to be a two-hour session like you can stress yourself out for 30 minutes and you know i'll go play three holes on the par three and i'll i'll kind of pick the ones that i want to play on that particular day kind of given what i what how i feel about my game you know, so I'll pick three holes and I'll go, you know, I'll spend 30 to 40 minutes. Like, cause if I have, if I have time during the day, like an opening, it's only 45 minutes. Cause I do 45 minute sessions. So if somebody doesn't schedule a lesson, that's all I've got. So I have essentially time to go do three holes. So, you know, I'm doing that. I'm trying to stress myself as much as I can, you know, even to the extent, like if I've got, um, you know, let's say I'm going to play the, the eight hole, on the par three which is 170 yard par three you know that's a pretty stock eight iron for me you know i'll hit a six iron you know i'm trying to stress it by by hitting a club that i would not normally hit and then figuring out a way to to make the lowest score possible you know so that just it helps me it helps me be better when it actually matters because I'm not just hitting the stock shot over and over and over because how many times are you hitting a stock shot? It's not all. Well, there's no doubt. I, yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. that's a very, I loved the up and down thing. That's something I'm going to take into my practice, but I, you, you're on a different level with like, you're just, you're, I'm so good at hitting my eight iron 170 yards that I'm going to take a different club. That's a foreign concept to me that I, I'm not but, so you you'd be you'd you'd be surprised though because like players of all skill levels can benefit from that you know I'll have I'll have my higher handicapper higher handicap players do that same thing so like if they're if they're on a par three and it's a seven iron I'm gonna have them hit a five iron right because one it helps them control speed it helps them you know impact is typically better they're more solid they see the golf ball do what they want a little bit more because they're not swinging it so hard and so fast. Um, you know, they're, they're learning to control the golf ball more, you know? So, you know, I think it's, I think it's more that than, than, than anything else, like learning how to control the golf ball at your skill level. And, and, you know, definition of control is different based on that skill level, Mm -hmm. but 
you know, everybody, everybody has to be able to do it. You know, if you can't hit a, if you can't hit a, you know, a three quarter seven iron because you're into the wind and you're just going to hoist it up there every time you got no business being out there, you know? So, you know, working on it, I think it, I think it helps all skill levels to work on it that way. You know, it's just, it's, it gets harder, the worse the skill level, because you might not be successful the first time or the second time or the third time. So then, you know, as humans, right, we don't want to do something that doesn't allow us to be successful. But it goes back to the, the irony is that when you're practicing golf and if you actually want to get better, that's how you have to do it. You're going to be unsuccessful more often. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because think it's about it in golf. golf. I mean, you're unsuccessful. I mean, shit. Rory McIlroy is, is going to go down as one of the best golfers in the history of the game, and his winning percentage is going to be probably less than 10% for his career. Like, he's yeah. failing 90% of the time. You know, so if you think about it that way, it's like if you can practice and learn and if you can practice in a manner that allows you to learn the acceptance of failure, like that's going to one, it's going to make your mental, you know, your mindset a lot better. Right. You're not going to stress out so much. And then two, I think it's going to allow you to problem solve better the next time you're out there in that situation you know because you're stressing yourself out and and that's what it is i mean golf is is stressful as much as as much as it's enjoyable it's also stressful as hell that's a that's a great point yeah uh, maybe you know what i'm gonna take both of them i lied i'm gonna bring both of those (laughs) the up and down thing i I absolutely love (laughs) i wasn't trying to shame you into doing both no but you know what it's a good point he needs to do both it's a a good point like being able to hit you know if you're Rather than, rather than, like you said, rather than hoist a nine iron into the air, into the wind, hit a three-quarter seven iron, and, and that's, you know, you get the same distance, you work on distance control. Like it, it, that's a shot that you might not always hit it, but that's a shot that if you want to be a better golfer, put it in your bag. Get it in your bag. You're, exactly. You're learning to play the game. Yeah. Like that's the biggest thing. That's where I think most – that's the reason why most people can't take it from the range to the golf course is because you can't learn to play the game on the driving range. Mike talks right, about this only, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You can only learn the game by spending time on the golf course. So like, that's one of the things just, you know, professionally, you know, with my, my coaching and teaching and coaching next year is I'm going to try to take more people on the golf course, like everybody comes into me, like, like I'm a technician and they want to do technique and all this other stuff. I'm like, you know, I'm at the point now where it's like, you know, that's great. We can do that, but it's not going to make you better. Like you might hit one seven iron better in the course of a round, but if you can't play and manage it from there, then what the hell does it matter? It doesn't like, you got to figure out a way to get it in the hole as fast as possible. And, and that's and, what golf is. And even if you know all of your clubs, if you have a little more variety, when, when something's not working, right? Like, like I know I've, I've, when I've been playing good golf, I know that if my, if my fade is or cut or is more of a power fade, then like, okay, mm-hmm. I, I need to stop. Like I'm over swinging or I got to do something. And now I'm just going to hit, just three, I'm going to club up and just hit three quarters. And, and that's a good, well, 
good way to learn. And, and it, you know, good thing to put exactly. in practice. And it, it starts to give you go-to shots. Yeah. You know, because every day is not the same, you know, so every day in golf is not the same. So you feel different because of all the external factors, you know, maybe, you, maybe you didn't sleep great the night before. Maybe you had too much to drink the night before. Maybe, you know, your wife is driving you crazy. Maybe your kids are driving you crazy. Like there's all these outside factors that are going to make it difficult for you to play the same golf one day to the next. So if you have done that practice and then you go out and you're like, okay, well, I'm hitting it like shit today. You know, you can figure that out on the range, you know, so, and, you know, I know that the range doesn't necessarily directly correlate to what you're going to do on the golf course, but, you know, you can have your, your go-to shot, so to speak, that you've, you know, if you do enough of this practice, you'll figure out over time, like, you know, I'm really good at the three-quarter, whatever, you know, if it's a three-quarter shot in general, then, like, when things start to go haywire, you can start to, to implement that as your, you know, your go-to shot. And then you can be, you can find a way to be successful, even though you're not really feeling like you're swinging it good or, or hitting it that good. I'm in, I'm in that right now. I, I have, uh, I have not played well my last few rounds as Mike can attest. <laughs> I got to find a <laughs> shot and a little go-to shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just try to curve it the same way every time. I mean, if you just, <laughs> I mean, if you break it down even more, if you just try to curve it the same way every time, consistent, you'll you'll start to find consistency. One way miss. Uh, whether it's a, yeah, well, whether it's a whether it's a big curve shot or a little curve shot, I mean, that's gonna that's gonna be different based on the day. But you know, I'm always trying to hit cuts. So the good days it cuts a little bit, bad days it cuts a lot, but it's cutting every time. So. You know, it's you got that right. Right, you got that. I got. I'm taking notes over here. Yeah, <laughs> should be on chapter three right now. Um, but Nick, I, you know, like I think a lot of that is great advice. And listen, um, I'm sure Ryan and I could sit here and just keep picking your brain for hours upon hours. But you know, I do want to, you know, commend you for an unbelievable season. I, I think you know, the resiliency you showed throughout the middle of your year to get to where you were to wrap this up and, you know, to be player of the year is a, is a huge accomplishment. So, you know, listen, I just want to thank you for coming on here again and giving us a, a few minutes of your time. Listen, uh, I, you know, I think what you guys are, are doing is great. Um, you know, you're, you're exposing New Jersey golf, you know, and, and we're, we're in a great state. We have a lot of great golf. We have a lot of great golfers. And, you know, you guys are the first guys that have really kind of put that at the forefront, in my opinion, you know, to, to like have an avenue for people to get to know us, you know, and, and, and get to know you guys and, and what it is that you're doing. So it's, uh, you know, I, I commend you guys for what you're doing, uh, it's I, I think it's awesome keep doing what you're doing and you know hopefully we can we can do this again love that works for us yeah for works sure for us. <laughs> thanks so much nick congrats again thanks ryan i appreciate it man thanks for the time yep thank you see you pal bye all right bye-bye name a better feeling than buying something you know you can take and wear anywhere money spent on quality products is money well spent even more so when you can rock that purchase just about anywhere why would you spend a fortune on clothes you'll only wear to the course when you could buy that gear that's just as nice at home, at a holiday party, or work event, yet comfy enough it doubles as loungewear? 
Obviously, we'd all love to be playing 36 holes every weekend of the year, but just because you have to sneak in a quick nine before work doesn't mean you need to change your clothes. And as winter closes in, check out their new festive hoodies and beanies to fight off the chill at www.swannies.co and use code THEDROP25 for 25% off. Swannies is your go-to from work to golf and everything in between. 